Ooh, back on another one. It is 1300, one o'clock for you non-military types, 1300 for the military folks on the 3rd of August in the year of our Lord, 2022. Uh, crazy week. Um, Pelosi thing was pretty interesting to sit around and kind of hold your breath and hope that uh, WW3 didn't kick off, um, but it didn't. So that's good. Um, but I think that there was a lot of influence operations going on that you could see where there was uh, the approach from different organizations to try and drive that uh, that perception. Um, I think I saw something like 600,000 people were tracking flights all of a sudden in and out of that particular area. Uh, it was interesting to see all that. Now, before I go into um, the, the fun stuff, which I found some interesting, actually terrifying stuff um, poking around, um, I did want to just cover real quickly because somebody, somebody was, I guess you'd call it trolling me, um, which whatever I could care less, but it's funny because the moment, um, that somebody else said, uh, you know, uh, this, this, whatever, this, this troll said this thing, like somebody else goes, how do you deal with trolls? Um, the, the short answer is you don't, honestly, if somebody's sitting at home, probably in their mom's basement, probably touching themselves in the dark, trying to be mean to you on the internet, um, whatever, let them be mean. Uh, these are the same type of keyboard warriors that wouldn't run their mouth if they saw you in person. So my, uh, my best advice I could ever give you on dealing with the troll on the internet, cause it happens all the time, especially if you're trying to do anything, um, don't deal with it. Like if they say you've got a misshapen head and your mother is ugly, you're right. My mom is ugly and my head is misshapen. Like, I just don't care. Um, people are looking to get a reaction out of you. If anything, be self-deprecating and they'll probably just go away and fuck off, which is what they ought to do anyway. Um, and yes, this is actually a pretty slick shirt. Got this from the folks at Lumu. You can kind of see here. I don't know how to get it really up in there, but uh, nothing good happens when you're in contact with the adversary. Um, I really like that slogan. I think that makes a heck of a lot of sense. Um, I don't want to be in contact with the adversary. I don't want to be an easy target. I don't want to be the slow gazelle. And I don't want to continue that contact. So when I saw that... Uh, that particular thing, I thought that was interesting. Um, they were kind enough to bring me on to their uh, CISO advisory board, uh, which is cool. And we're going to try and do good things and help people. So anyway, um, other piece, because I put this out there, uh, the, someone said, uh, asked, send me an email and asked a question about how how, the, how they should think about motivation and whatever else. I'm not a motivational speaker, whatever the hell that means. All I can do is tell you one thing that I value. Um, and this probably sounds pretty uh, petty, but it is. Um, I value spite. Um, I hate to say that, but I really, I don't hate to say it, but I'll say it. Spite has been a, uh, a great, um, a great thing that I've learned to live with and engage in. And what I mean by that is not being spiteful towards people, but what I mean by that is when something is in your way or when somebody says you can't do something, take that in and use that spite and be like, you know what, I'm going to do this, whether you like it or not. If it's not going to cause problems or hurt anybody, obviously, but that's like internal motivation um, for, for me personally. Now, again, I'm not Tony Robbins, banana hands or whatever, but here it is. You know, if you want to do bigger, better things, there's lots of ways to like get yourself up in the morning and, you know, get rainbows and what puppies and I don't know, whatever other people do to get motivated. I'm a big fan of just being pissed off that someone or something is trying to hold you back from doing stuff and then go off and do that. So there you go. There's my 50 cent value on um, how to stay motivated. Now, 
Uh, I always start these things off by looking at interesting things. Um, found a couple uh, vulnerable-ish probably systems that concern me greatly. Um, let's go into one of them. And I have to be a little specific here. I've already sent emails to who I could find online because this is concerning enough, but let's just let's just cover this quickly. So if you go off and do some tickling of electrons and look for some specific things, um, which I do all the time, you can find uh, SCADA and ICS systems that are open and available to you most of the time on the internet. Now, one resource that we have in this country, which is becoming increasingly valuable is water. Um, there's a drought in Texas where I'm from. My parents said that the the lake in front of the house is is so low, the cows are walking across it, which is that never happened to me in 42 years of living. Um, Water is valuable. Uh, and nuclear power is also valuable as well. And the ability to control water flowing in and out of nuclear systems or dams would be something I would consider to be ICS SCADA type controllability. Now, right now, um, looking at one that is in Carlsbad, which is a water treatment facility, tells me how many gallons are there, how many gallons are being moved, how many gallons are being shipped, and it has access to the valve system. Literally gets you into the water control capability. Um, and I'm looking at this, the actual system itself. Um, the other ones that are of, of real interest to me was, and this is worth pointing out because this needs to you know, be noted, um, is uh, if you're familiar at all with nuclear power, which I'm not a nuke, but we had nukes in the Navy, know enough to kind of be relatively informed. But anytime you see the words reactor flow and H2O flow on an ICS SCADA system that's available on the internet, um, that's probably something to be concerned about. Now, if you do a little follow on from that and go look at the extra piece, because this was important enough to me to go dig, um, this is a ICS SCADA control system for water flowing in and out of a nuclear reactor facility in Sunnyvale, California. Um, you could do your own Googling and go look at that or whatever else, but I can tell you from doing my own little bit of open source research, um, it is more than likely a power facility um, that generates energy with nuclear reactors doing things nuclear reactors doing. And there are in this particular area of Sunnyvale, which for those of you in California know this, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven of those that I see that are out there right now. Now, again, I'm not a nuke, but uh, knowing this, if you're able to log into a nuclear power system control capability and shut off or modify the amount of water that's used for cooling on a nuclear reactor, there was this really interesting case of things that happened back in 1986 called Chernobyl, um, Three Mile Island, those types of deals. This is a huge problem. Now, again, I'll do what I do and I'll notify people here, but this is it, like when, when folks, bluster and talk about uh, the things going on to fix problems and the billions of dollars going into cyber and whatever else. Here it is, uh, 8-3-2022 from my home um, in somewhere an undisclosed location in rural Virginia that nuclear power control capabilities for water flowing into and out of a reactor. It may not be all reactors, but it's I see reactor one and two. Um, it even tells me the acidity level of the water itself. And the ability to go from digital to uh, analog controls. Um, and we can see CO2 that is uh, involved in this. So yeah, a uh, couple more things worth looking at. 
Um, I think most people would agree that it's probable, probably concerning if you're able to control the amount of water flowing from a dam. Um, dams power things. Dams do ICS SCADA control type stuff. And they are uh, useful for a whole lot of, you know, our, our national sort of security and enterprise or industrial control systems. This dam is located in Augusta, Georgia. Um, the funny thing is you don't even have to do the Googling to go look at which dam it is when you see the screenshot that's from the system because the screenshots that it would be used to identify itself on Google um, are right here on the actual screenshot in the screenshot for the dam control. So literally I can see how many feet of water are moving in through this thing. I can see the flow uh, cubic feet per second looked like is 99 cubic feet per second. And then it tells me which creeks are feeding into this particular dam that would be used for trending control. Um, this is concerning as well. Um, if you look where this dam is located and you do a little bit of Googling, um, it is upriver of a of Augusta, Georgia. Um, now, does that mean you could close the valves and, and you know do some sort of Michael Bay thing and blow all the shit up or whatever else? No. But does it mean that there's the possibility that you could use this to get into internal systems and modify flow and controls and cause degradation of power, outages, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. Um, this is easy to get to. I've got IP addresses. I have operating systems. I have login information-ish stuff here, but I'm guessing it's probably something you could, you know, log in and say, oh, it's a admin admin probably. Um, and then last one is uh, a hydraulic containment system um, in Connecticut. And this hydraulic containment system has high pressure material behind it to the tunes of hundreds and hundreds of PSI. Now, if you go follow through this, um, what could you do if you modified controls around an extremely high pressure hydraulic system? Um, hydraulic power, if misused, can cut people in pieces or damage facilities, et cetera. So let's be aware of that as well. The last thing that was interesting to me this week was going off and looking because a lot of people have this uh, inherent sort of thought that Docker is really more secure for some reason, or it's uh, default secure. It's not. If you do the right tickling of electrons and know where to look, I found 113 available um, Docker containers with ports exposed talking to the public internet in the United States, which 113, you're probably thinking, okay, no big deal. Those 113 though are parts, are parts of clusters. So with those 113, how many of the things would you be able to get to if you were able to get to that one? They're connected. Um, and there are organizations that are listed right here that do pretty interesting research that are probably using these things for stuff that's either proprietary or at least concerning. Virginia Tech, I see you in here. Um, operating system is Linux, the container number, what the image is on it, and actually the file uh, command that's being run at this particular time. Um, technology control stuff here, and then a few other high-tech organizations. So 113 of those. And again, the thing is not, okay, there's one exposed container. It's there's an exposed container without authentication with the ports talking to the internet. And those containers are part of clusters that other things are running on the back end of this. Anybody see that there's still a problem here? <clears throat> okay. Uh, following on with the news this week, Toma Bravo, 
Um, one of the big PE firms picked up Ping Identity for $2.8 billion in an all-cash deal. Now, not that really terribly interesting, to be perfectly frank, because PEs do this all the time. But the, the interesting thing here is that this buy was made by Toma Bravo to take the company private um, after their earnings were down. So the question becomes, well, why would an organization like Toma Bravo buy something and take it private after earnings were down? Well, it's obviously probably a cheaper buy for them or whatever else. But when you look at the portfolio of Toma Bravo, and this is on their public website, um, Toma Bravo's past and current portfolio companies represent many of the leading blah, blah, blah. Uh, and they have $22 billion related revenue. But you go look at these companies that are, and this is specifically on the security sector. You got App Omni, Barracuda, Blue Coat, BombGuard, ConnectWise, Continuum, Delinea, DigiCert, Intrust, Exostar, Grayshift, Idaptive, Illumio, Imperva, Improvada, Intel 471, Landes, Logarithm, McAfee, Proofpoint, SailPoint, SonicWall, Sophos, Tripwire, Venify, Barracode. That's like, I don't know, uh, a significant portion of the cybersecurity space and they're sitting on top of all of this. Well, what else is going to continue to go there? And when do we get into the sort of side of this where um, the government and SEC and those organizations should be saying, well, wait a minute, you own like $20 billion worth of cybersecurity stuff. Is that really doing much or are you just kind of squatting on it and, and controlling the market? Um, I don't know that I have the, the you know, the uh, financial expertise to say that, but there's there's this sort of rabbits watching the grass go thing grow thing going on when you look at private equity firms and their acquisitions in this space. And to me, honestly, it's concerning. Um, somebody on the chat asked, how easily were you able to find exposed systems? I can find exposed systems in, I don't know, minutes. Um, if I really want to go down the rabbit hole, I would say, you could find exposed systems and go towards potential uh, compromise on some systems, limited systems um, in hours. Now you have to have some focus and you've got to be willing to go after certain things and also be willing to risk the things that are out there that would cause you to go put on an orange jumpsuit, but it's possible. Um, and that's, that's a point to make here too that most people aren't necessarily aware of. According to the law, and I've had a lawyer who actually knows what the hell they're talking about tell me this too, you're not breaking the law, a computer uh, fraud and abuse act and whatever else, if a system is unprotected talking to the internet. If there's no login, no authentication, you're not really breaking the law by getting inside of that system. It's kind of like if you had your house on the highway and you left all the doors and all the windows open and somebody decided to walk into your home. Is it illegal? Uh, I mean, sort of-ish. Is it concerning? Absolutely. But you knew that there were things you should do for your home and you put it on the highway and you left all the doors and windows open. Somebody walked inside. Now, you know, there's ins and outs of that and there's a whole bunch of legal things around it. But like this is uh, this is the reality of it. And those systems are exposed. So Am I, would you be breaking the law? You have to be careful because you don't want to get yourself in trouble. And my goal personally is never to hurt anybody. I want to help folks. But the only way you help people, unfortunately, is by kind of letting them know that this is what's up. Uh, if you are unaware of U.S. Cyber Command, maybe you've been sleeping under a rock for the last however long or whatever. U.S. Cyber Command has published, and this is cybercom.mil, 
Um, National Mission Force discloses IOCs from Ukrainian networks. This is from Fort George, do you mean? Um, and this has got the IOCs that are out there. Now they publish this stuff on VirusTotal, it's on GitHub, and it's on Pastebin. However, comma, if you don't go specifically pull these signatures in, you're not using them for defensive purposes. Um, the signatures, some of these do not have signatures. Some of these are just IOCs. So you got a lot of .be.re things. Uh, you've got some zip files and uh, you've got um, some hashes that are there. Point I'm trying to make is if you're taking in threat intelligence or you're sucking in information and data that you would use for security positioning based on IOCs, make sure that your provider or your organization is getting these updated IOCs from US Cyber Command. I ran a check earlier on um, ingests from this particular list and none of them were there for a particular provider. So you have to get this stuff, you have to go grab it and actually use it. My two cents would be focused effort, make sure that you're getting this stuff from US Cyber Command. If anybody's on the pointy tip of the spear here, it's them. And that's cybercom.mil, um, and you can go look for the IOCs themselves. Uh, if you're not aware, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, went to Taiwan yesterday. I believe she was there for like 24 hours. She entered and left and you know shook hands and kissed babies or whatever they do. Um, but the interesting part was the moment that she landed, there was all this blustering going on with China and the U.S. and we'll blow her plane out of the sky and whatever else, da, da, da. Um, international diplomacy, shenanigans. And then the Chinese basically set up a blockade around the island and start doing, you know, war drills, whatever, which it happens. Um, but if you're really looking here on the Hill, this is the article on the hill.com. Um, the moment she landed, their websites for the government started getting hit with 200 times more traffic than normal at 5.15 p.m. Her wheels touched down, I believe it was 5.11 or something, 5.15, websites start going down. Now, that's not a big degradation of whatever, but when you look at who the specific attacks were aimed at, um, four websites were specifically targeted with the most traffic. So uh, Ministry of National Defense, Ministry of Foreign, Aware, Foreign Affairs, I don't know why I did the Elmer Foot, Foreign Awares, Taiwan uh, International Airport, and uh, the, the, the federal, or excuse me, the, um, uh, the Psy is what it says. So... <clears throat> Uh, and if you're looking at that, okay, the article is interesting because it kind of crawls through this and it gives you some of the in inputs and imports that you would uh, be um, concerned with. But here's the thing that's comical. So this article was published yesterday. All this stuff with China, it's you know coming against these national defense organizations, whatever else. At the end of the article, based on the State Department, it says it's not clear who is responsible for the cyber attack. Okay, I'll be the one to say it. It's fucking China. Um, China, I mean, I don't know how much clearer you could be, but let's just call a duck a duck. Um, this is the type of thing that needs to happen, in my opinion, for international diplomacy to actually be at least viable in the cybersecurity-related space because no one's willing to say it was them. Yeah, we got to do better. Um, that's my only point I want to make here. And the, the, the cyber is the bridge between espionage and kinetic warfare. So anytime that you're seeing cyber attacks taking place specific to this type of operation, you're teetering on the brink of potential kinetic warfare. Um, 
Now, luckily, things didn't go worse. No U.S. Navy ships ran into any Chinese ships or whatever, but problematic. There was an article published in the Hacker News, Australian hacker charged with creating, selling spyware to cyber criminals. This, this is Robbie, who I've talked about stuff they've written in the past, really good stuff. Um, but this one's actually pretty awesome. Like, it made me giggle. So a 24-year-old Australian national has been charged for his purported role in the creation and sale of spyware used for domestic uh violence perpetrators and child sex offenders so obviously a stand-up individual um jacob wayne john Keane, who currently resides at frankston melbourne is said to have created the remote access trojan when he was 15 while administering the tool from 2013 until it shut down in 2019 so 15 years old was the admin for it for five years six years at least uh, Frankston man engaged in network of individuals and sold a spyware named Eminent Monitor to more than 14,500 individuals across 128 countries based on the Australian Federal Police. Got six counts of committing computer uh, offense by developing and supplying malware and profiting off its illegal sale. Now, here's where things get really comical. Another woman, aged 42, who lives in the same home as the accused and has identified as his mother, has also been charged with dealing with the proceeds of crime. So, not only was this dude such a stand-up individual that he was selling spyware to um, pedophiles and criminals, but he also managed to, to, I mean, I guess the word would be screw his mother, which sounds even worse, but his mom was using the money that he was making, and now she's in trouble. Uh, set uh, The operation was set in motion in 2017. It's 2022, so think about that, right? Five years for it to actually be uh, completed. Um and then operations saw 85 search warrants executed globally in collaboration with more than a dozen European law enforcement agencies, culminated in a seizure of 434 devices and the arrest of 13 people uh, for using the malware. No fewer than 201 individuals obtained the remote access Trojan in Australia, with 14% of the buyers named as respondents of domestic violence orders and being on the child sex offender register. And guess how people got this thing? distributed via emails and text message. Eminent Monitor came with capabilities to surreptitiously log keystrokes, as well as record devices, webcams, and microphones. So if you read a little further, later versions of the Windows malware also introduced options for hidden RDP access and even running cryptocurrency miner on the victim's machines. It was sold for $35. It estimated to have netted the operator between three and $400,000 most of which was subsequently spent on food delivery services and other consumable items. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, if you're, you know, this is uh, his, his coder name, his underground name was Shockwave. Um, he had previously offered a DDoS tool called Shockwave Booter in early 2012 before he figured out a way to make more money and do internet monitor. But so this dude in Australia was running this op for quite a while, uh, made a few hundred grand on it spent the majority of his money on food delivery and uh, also managed to screw over his own family. So well done, dude, I guess. But at least he got caught. And I don't know what the punishment is in Australia, but um, sounds like he's facing um, some interesting jail time. Article on Medicurity. Um, Senate Finance Committee warned DHS of poor security of organ transplant sharing network. This sounds particularly concerning. Um, illuminate education data, breach, highlight school system, tracking system, blah, blah, blah. So 
Leaders of the Senate Finance Committee grew so alarmed during a closed-door briefing early this year about the security of the system for getting donated kidneys, livers, and hearts to desperately ill patients that they warned officials at the DHS that they had no confidence in the security of the transplant network. Um, the United Network for Organ Sharing, UNOS, holds the monopoly on getting organs to transplant victims. The Health Resource and Service HRSA oversees UNOS, so here's government bureaucracy, level, level, level. But that agency has little authority to regulate transplantivity, and UNOS has rejected any attempts to regulate the system. Sounds to me like it's probably not cool to be not regulating a system where you're giving people organs, but what do I know? Um, and then they talk about the fact that there was basically little, if any, cybersecurity controls or uh, compliance controls in place for this particular organization. And if the Senate Finance Committee is the one notifying them that this is a problem, shit has gone really far off the rails. Uh, so, yeah. So if, you know, if you're looking for, I think, what you would consider to be <coughs> valuable service and critical-ish infrastructure that's needed to take care of sick people, um, the ability to secure a network where organ transplant information is shared is pretty friggin' important, in my opinion. Um, this is the type of thing that we're dealing with. And the, again, the question sort of becomes if DHS was notified about this and DHS is involved and DHS has got billions of dollars allocated around cyber, why isn't this type of really solvable problem solved? Like you could put a security protocol and capability in place for this particular agency in days. Um, interesting. There's a report on Newsweek about Russian hackers targeting HIMARS uh, in new type of attack. Now, here's the problem is when you read through this, it talks about HIMARS M142 high mobility artillery rocket system, which is what the Ukrainians are now using to take the heat to the Russians um, and this organization. So cyber attack by Killnet and Kill Milk, which is kind of weird. Hacker groups took place on 7 a.m. Monday. The group said the rocket systems credited by the Ukrainians was shifting the balance of power in the war with Russia has been responsible for thousands of Russian deaths. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, has been targeted. So the hacker said Lockheed Martin is the actual sponsor of world terrorism, is responsible for thousands of deaths, blah, blah, blah. A Russian military expert claimed on television July 20th that Russia had come up with a secret development that allows it to hack into the HIMARS system. So... I don't, maybe this was a Freudian slip or maybe this is just me overthinking it, but here's part of what came up to me was that one line right there, a Russian military expert claimed on Russian state television on July 28th. And his quote was that Russia had come up with a secret development that allows it to hack into the HIMARS system. So if that's what they said, and this guy's a Russian military expert, maybe he is or isn't directly affiliated with the Russian government and wasn't able to find anything on that. Does that is that a declaration that the Russians are literally hacking into a national security resource and asset and overt on TV saying that they're modifying and manipulating controls? Um, if so, does that not constitute additional actions? I don't know. Um, yeah. So uh, and, uh, members of Killnet, which were the, the hacker group, said we are using a new type of attack. We have no equal in this area. This is a new technology that we're using the first time against the world's largest arms manufacturer. Uh, 
Now, whether or not that's actually taking place, because the last time I checked, the Ukrainians were blowing the shit up out of everything they could with HIMARS. Maybe it's just bolstering, but that point right there of, and I want to read this again, because this is the interesting part. A Russian military expert claimed on Russian state television on July 28th that, quote, Russia had come up with a secret development that allows it to hack, his words, hack into the HIMARS system. If ever there was a declaration of cyber espionage and potential cyber warfare Im Im implications, I think that's it. Stuff to think about, in my opinion. And uh, lastly, because I like to get everybody back to doing other things, there's an article on Wired.com. Kids are back in classrooms and laptops are still spying on them. Uh, digital surveillance, whatever, whatever. Um, if there's a, there's a piece of software called GoGuardian, a popular software application used to monitor student activity. The interface is familiar like the gallery of a large Zoom call, but instead of seeing teenage faces in each frame, the teacher sees thumbnail images showing the screen of each student's laptop. They watch as students' cursors skim across the lines of sonnet or word or blah, blah, research or homework, or whatever. Um, <clears throat> if a student is enticed by a distraction, an online game is done, the teacher can see that, that too and can remind the students to stay on task via a private message sent through GoGuardian. If a student has veered away from the assignment a few too many times, <clears throat> the teacher can take remote control of the device and zap the lab themselves. Now, that's a remote access Trojan. That's giving remote access to the, the administrator of the school to do other things, to go at your kids uh, when they're working from home, which I... Great. I mean, I think students should be able to go to school pretty much anywhere. I don't, I don't see the issue with that. But the issue is the security controls are placed around that and the COPA violations and whatever else. Because you know that those organizations, cybersecurity is woefully inept. <clears throat> <clears throat> Baked into these machines that were issued to these students was software that can allow teachers to view and control student screens, scan text from the student emails and cloud-based documents, and... In severe cases, send alerts of violent threats and mental health alarms to educators and law enforcement after school hours. Now, where's the line on this? Um, where's the line on, I'm, I'm a parent, I have kids, they, they were issued a laptop, I work in IT. I was never notified in writing or anything else that said this is what's on those students' machines. Um, the question for me is like, how the hell is that okay? And isn't that a violation of privacy laws and regulations that are in place? And I mean, I understand I'm fine with monitoring my kids because my kids probably need monitoring. I monitor their internet things because I own the fucking internet and the firewall and everything else in my house and they know it. But the fact that the school is carte blanche, just sending stuff out and saying, we have monitoring software that can do all these remote access Trojan things. Isn't that a problem? Isn't that a, a privacy violation, right? Here's the last point. According to a report published today from the Center for Democracy and Technology, 89% of teachers have said their schools will continue using student monitoring software, up 5% from last year. <clears throat> there are concerns about digital surveillance, whatever else, radicalization, et cetera, et cetera. For me, the concern is, number one, there's a duty for an organization to notify you that they're monitoring. There's a there's legalities there. I'm not a lawyer, but there are legalities there and there is a requirement. The other side is 
what is the back end of this and how do I know that my information, my network, my home system, which is connected to my corporate system, is not going to be infected by the mismanagement of the remote access capabilities that are coming from that, that control plane within that jacked up school system, which there are there. Um, our school system got taken down for two weeks at the start of the pandemic with ransomware, which a five-year-old could have stopped if they had just put MFA on one admin account. So this is a real issue. I think um, this is something that's worth looking at. And if you're a parent and your kids are using laptops at home, go look and see what software is on that because the what they see on that computer might have implications for your own organizational security for you and your family. And did they tell you about it? That's one of the things that really sticks in my craw. Anyway, uh, 32 minutes, I went two and a half minutes over there. So sorry. Um, uh, other than that, crazy week, crazy stuff. God bless. Um, be smart, be safe, be secure. I will catch you on the next one. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, aka episode, is provided for general information purposes only. By listening to this episode, you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.